This podcast is not for the easily offended, victimhood enthusiasts, or those who take themselves too seriously, namely cyclists, conspiracy theorists, personal trainers, and other fanatics. Your Hobby is Shit is a nerd-free environment which strongly discourages dickheads from listening. Authorised by Sean Woodland for Your Hobby is Shit. For a long time now, humans have invented, inadvertently stumbled across and participated in a variety of activities we now know as hobbies. We use them for pleasure, to reduce corporate guilt, to escape the misery of home life and to help deny the grim reality that awaits us all. From the bizarre, obsessive and psychologically illuminating to the downright ludicrous, whatever your hobby, this podcast is going to pull it apart. So whack in your headphones, get into your hobby with a vengeance and prepare to be exposed because I'm Sean Woodland and your hobby is shit. Hello and welcome to Your Hobby is Shit, a project that previously existed on social media in written format. I spent the last year or so building the Facebook, Instagram and Twitter audience up to about 10 regular readers. So I decided it was time to reassess, which meant beginning to cater for people who either don't or can't read, which currently seems to be about 95% of the population. One reason for the deplorable level of interest in the written format of Your Hobby is Shit is that the fascists at Facebook have a carefully controlled algorithm which limits the number of people who are exposed to each and every post. Another reason, one many could argue is more likely, is that like your hobby, my writing could also be shit. Still, as a matter of principle, I refuse to spend money on Facebook advertising. To me, that's the equivalent of paying people to like you, which is exactly the same as going to the strippers. So in essence, it's because of degenerate perverts and people who refuse to read that this podcast now exists. You've only got yourselves to blame. So to kick things off, I went in search of a hobby with no redeeming features, one where the participants are universally disliked, tolerated mostly by their own kind, a hobby that it's near impossible to find anything positive to say about. And like my dad always says, if you can't think of anything nice to say, tell the truth, sit back and watch people lose their shit. As it turns out, I didn't have to search too hard because every morning at six o'clock, every hearing-abled resident on our quiet coastal Sydney street, including the nearby inmates of Long Bay Jail, are awoken by these obsessive hobbyists who are often corporate, nerdy, conservative, fat, white, socially awkward, bombastic dullards. And I live in a diverse community. My neighbours include lesbians, indigenous people, racists, immigrants, coppers, piss artists, fitness obsessives and even a few dickheads. Yet we all put aside our differences to unite in our collective dislike of these nuisances. Of course, I speak of cycling and cyclists. These two-wheeled tools are the parking inspectors and real estate agents of the hobbyists' world. By that I mean everyone else who isn't one thinks they're a piece of shit. Now don't get your gender-neutral knickers in a knot and start sending in your abusive messages just yet. Obviously, cyclists are not to be confused with people who ride bikes. I've got no beef with cycling as a form of transport or recreation. I'm not a tradesman. Well, I am, but not that sort. I don't own a Hilux. Cycling, and you all know the type of cyclist I mean, and riding a bike have about as much in common as Greg Norman and humility. I rode a bike. We all did. I played with Lego too, but I don't need more. 
I went from a tricycle to a BMX and finally a 10-speed racer. Then I got a car and thought, fuck, this is much better. What you'll learn in this podcast is that whatever your hobby, it's probably at least a little bit shit, but it doesn't become unhealthily shit until your obsessiveness or extremism means you've crossed a line, a line that there's no coming back from. And you'll soon discover that cyclists cross that line several times. Okay, so let's take a look at the history of cycling. 1817, the first verified bike, and it was made by some German bloke. But the fucking idiot didn't think to put pedals on it. So the rider had to run along with the bike, uh, which kind of defeats the purpose of having one. Took until about 1860 when they got around to working out the pedals would be a good idea, particularly when heading uphill. And that's where it could have all ended, a new and improved form of transport and recreation. But no, they had to keep going, didn't they? They always do. Soon after 1860, the penny farthing came along. Why? I'd guess for exactly the same reason that pink hair and man buns came along. Attention-seeking and individualism. Anyway, skip forward another 100 years or so and the technology really goes into overdrive and we end up with all that expensive carbon fibre shit they ride today. The skills required to cycle. Arms and legs are pretty much all you need to ride a bike and you don't always even need all of those. Less understood until recently is that you also need a really loud voice and a shit tonne of anger. An ability to talk as loudly as you possibly can while cruising through suburban streets before the fucking sun comes up is another thing cyclists are great at. Yelling out, CAR! all the time. Of course there's cars, you fucking idiots. You're on a road that was built for them. The angry vortex that engulfs a peloton of cyclists is cringeworthy. Don't believe me? Do what I do. Take a dozen eggs, because there's a few hidden vantage points where they'll come in handy, along to Sydney Centennial Park, or anywhere else where you can find a posse of the poses and see for yourself. You'll witness a demonstration of entitlement more staggering than a Botoxed mum double parking a Range Rover. Watch the turds streamline around the park like a swarm of angry bees. Their eagerness to take offence is palpable, bellowing obscenities at unsuspecting children, walkers, joggers, other cyclists, and even poor fucking swans. Jesus Christ, Fenton, who yells at a swan? Gobsmacking irrationality. If your child behaved in the same way, you'd contemplate adopting them out, or at the very least, sending them off to boarding school. Cyclists are so angry, it makes me angry. The anger in this clip I'm about to play is both extraordinary and typical. Hey, come on! Fucking son! Come on! Fuck off! Asshole! You fucking asshole! Get the fuck away from me, you cunt! Get the fuck away! There's a fucking dog in there! Get the fuck away from me! Get away! Get away! You fucking ignorant driver! Go away! Fuck off! Come through me, you cunt! Fuck off! I am legally allowed here! There's a fucking dog in there! Legally allowed! I am legally allowed here! Go away! Go away! There's some pretty good bits in that, and uh, from the motorist and the cyclist, to be fair. I think my favourite was, look at your pants, look at your pants. Not a bad bit of advice, something maybe the odd cyclist might want to heed.
Now listen, while we're on the topic of anger, six o'clock in the morning isn't when I want to get my information about Bitcoin, hedge funds, the share market or real estate prices, while these lycra clad dickheads are having their little orgy of status anxiety, talking about economics, yelling to the bloke next to him as if he's in New Zealand. If you can talk at the top of your voice while you're exercising, you're not exercising, you're socialising. And you can do it at the front of your own fucking house at 6 o'clock in the morning and see how that goes down. I reckon it'll go down like a turd in a salad bowl. Or, here's an idea, you could socialise in a pub at a normal time of day like normal people. Otherwise, shut up. My neighbours put up with this shit every single day. Me, I don't really care. I sleep peacefully. Any external sounds are blocked out by podcasts about serial killers. But don't just take it from me. Have a listen to what my long-suffering, sleep-deprived neighbours have got to say about these selfish cyclists. Oh, get fucked, you small dick lycra pricks. They suck balls. Well, what I don't need is some corporate dickhead in lycra pulling up in my driveway at 6 o'clock saying how we need strong leadership like Dan Andrews. They suck balls. Oh, they shit me, mate. Wake me up every morning at 6am. I'd rather get woken up by a fucking rooster. But these cockerels love to just hoon past and speak so loudly about their investment properties. I mean, nobody even needs to get up that early to exercise, you know what I mean? And I say this, like, I'm a fucking cyclist. It's just I prefer to do it at a more respectable hour. They suck balls. I'm probably going to end up going to jail because I'm going to get a fishing line and I'm going to put it across the street and one of them's going to get beheaded soon. That's unanimous. I could have gone to every single house on our street and got a similar sentiment. And remember, that's people who have an early release prisoner accommodation centre at the end of the street. It never gets mentioned. Cyclists every single day. Have a good look at yourselves. Now let's take a look at the cost and equipment associated with cycling. If spending money fixed anything, James Packer would be the happiest man on earth. But he isn't, because it doesn't. Cyclists are yet to work this out. It's an expensive hobby. And from what I can gather, the more they spend, the more severe the emotional impairment. I have two mates who ride expensive bikes. In my social circle, we make fun of them behind their backs. Importantly though, Neither of them identifies as a cyclist, wears lycra, talks pelotons, or discusses their hobby as if it's quantum physics. Reminder, three-year-olds can ride a bike. We have a saying, it's as easy as riding a bike. You're not clever. One of these mates, he rides a fold-up bike. And although he's not allowed to ride it to my house, at this stage, I still support him. But he remains fully aware that he's on a slippery slope and that the very day he crosses that line by putting a mirror on his bike, uh, waxing his legs, wearing those fucking shoes, or donning a Lycra team shirt, I'll punch the shit out of him and encourage his lovely wife to leave him. In an attempt to stabilise their fragile egos, cycling enthusiasts enjoy spending money on and making use of things they don't really need. Carbon fibre frames, camelback drinking vessels, fingerless gloves, all that Lycra, and aerodynamically designed helmets. If only they made use of things they do need with a similar enthusiasm, like, say, bike paths, velodromes. Typically, 
A budding cyclist can look to spend in excess of 10000 bucks on a bike and the assorted paraphernalia that goes with it. That's more expensive than my last two family cars combined. And funnily enough, they still need a car because they have to drive the bike to wherever it is they ride it with their little buddies. Only those of a certain socioeconomic status can afford such extravagances. Cycling is a white-collar hobby. There aren't too many manual workers who'd have the energy to go for a ride in the morning then go lay bricks or dig holes all day. So, what is it that draws these arseholes to a hobby where they have to spend copious amounts of money and play dress-ups in matching outfits to feel good about themselves? Remember, these blokes aren't in a race and never will be. Furthermore, if you're waxing your legs to ride a bike and you're not in the Olympics, Jesus Christ, you'd want to have a look at yourself. And yes, it is mostly men. I know it's 2021 and women are allowed to pursue shit hobbies too. And don't they? They get into cycling and golf, spend a bit of observational time pursuing similar interests as a significant other in their life, but they rather quickly realise that only a dickhead gets up that early to do anything. And they stop. Everyone wants to be part of a tribe. I get that. Even dickheads who lack genuine interests and are forced to discover one. And it is. It's due to a burning desire to belong. And under the pretense of exercise, these people find acquaintances and camaraderie. Something that maybe has eluded them previously. And that's where the trouble starts. A misguided notion of empowerment ensues resulting in demonstrations of cultish, belligerent and entitled behaviour. Their conduct succeeds only in highlighting a plethora of character flaws that previously only work colleagues, family and possibly the local barista may have been privy to. Possessing an acute lack of self-awareness, exponents of this hobby have little appreciation for the level of malevolence mainstream society has for them, or why it has it. They thrive on an elitist us-versus-them mentality which allows them to ignore that it's actually them who are the problem. If you see a grown man wearing a football jumper in public, the most likely scenario is that he never played football, but fuck he wishes he had. So who knows what trauma these lycra-clad logo-spouting cyclists are trying to rectify. Whatever it is, it culminates in petulant, hostile outbursts. Therapy makes more sense. I should know. Still, the material wealth and ability to pursue their status-driven hobby aren't enough to calm a cyclist's psyche. So, who are the oddballs that are driving this cycling phenomenon? Well, in Australia, Tony Abbott's the poster boy for recreational cycling. Who else? <laughs> Shit happens. Australia's worst ever Prime Minister, who is so disconnected from reality that he mounted Prince... (laughs) He didn't mount him. I mean, he knighted. He knighted Prince Philip. Mounted, knighted, much much the same thing. And look, while Tony Abbott may not be the biggest fuckwit in Australia, whoever it is wouldn't want to die. He's a wannabe alpha misfit, creepy, sexist, proudly homophobic and generally awkward. Abbott captures the essence of his cycling compatriots brilliantly. His social work, of course, consists of other cyclists. Oh, and George Pell. Of course, the most famous cyclist in history, Lance Armstrong. Another righteous little bully who proved that arseholes get cancer too. Armstrong was nasty, power hungry. He'd give Donald Trump a run for his money in the psychopath stakes. 
Armstrong, like Trump, had major dad issues. Who would have thought? Astonishingly, to this day, Lance still sees himself as the victim. He's lived a lie his entire life and continues to do so. And don't even get me started on the Tour de France. Fucking boring as batshit. And the cheating has been rife since day dot. It began with them catching trains to cut the ride short. Fair enough. But it culminated in an orgy of performance-enhancing drug-taking. Prestigious my ass. Personally... I'd like to see the Tour de France raced on penny-farthing bikes. Those little drug-fueled sawn-offs like Armstrong wouldn't even be tall enough to climb onto one. Like me, Armstrong has taken a shitload of drugs in his life. And also like me, he has no Tour de France titles to his name. Yet Armstrong was a beacon of hope and an inspiration to people the world over, particularly those who fall for shallow marketing ploys like rubber wristbands and those who adhere to the old George Costanza adage, it's not a lie if you really believe it's true. Armstrong was a complete prick well before he was exposed to the cheating narcissist that he actually was, immediately and viciously attacking anyone who attempted to hold him accountable. But the cycling sycophants were having none of it. He was their hero and the inspiration to the juggernaut of jerks being dismantled on this podcast right now. Here's a clip of Armstrong at his awful best. Incomparable deception, denial and dishonesty. How could it have taken place when I've never taken performance enhancing drugs? How could that have happened? That was my point. You're not, it's not just simply you don't recall. Just How many times do I have to say it? I'm just trying to make sure your testimony is clear. Well, if it can't be any clearer than I've never taken drugs then incidents like that could never have happened. Okay. How clear is that? Lance Armstrong, a mud flap on the bicycle wheel of humanity. If you didn't know any better, you could say that cycling attracts a certain type. Yes, I know, not all men. I mean, not all cyclists. But there's enough mean-spirited, big on law and order, low on tolerance, the public decency sort of blokes among them to make a sweeping generalisation that is both sweeping and correct. They love sprouting their goodness at the Rotary and Lions Club and the charities, never real keen on minorities and generally fail to acknowledge their good fortune in life. If Peter Dutton, Sam Newman and Andrew Bolt aren't cyclists, they fucking should be. Well, that's a harsh but fair assessment of cycling. I see it as a shit hobby, but that doesn't mean you have to. We've all got different needs, things that help us find a purpose and fulfilment in life. In the interest of fairness, and I'm nothing if not fair, and if taking up a hobby where you get to stay fat even though you exercise every day, if that stimulates you, here's what you can do. I googled, join a cycling club near me, and lo and behold, the first response was, cycle club for singles. Now, my gut feeling is there'd be a lot of disgruntled blokes in that group, but hey, If predators can find their way under words with friends, why not cycling? Anyway, we've already established most cycling clubs are male-dominated. But once they're all in their tight spandex, gender doesn't matter. If you're riding behind someone with a nice ass, it can be whoever you want it to be. Now, once you've found a group that suits your personality defects, you'll need to spend about 10 grand. This will get you a bike and all the shit that goes with it. A chip on one or both shoulders is pretty much essential along with a willingness to get up at Sparrow's Fart, put your bike on your roof racks, drive to a meeting point, remove your bike from your roof racks, and set off with your identically dressed bunch of new mates. On the road is where you get to enjoy the freedom. The freedom to wake sleeping neighbourhoods, to run red lights, to hold up traffic, 
and discuss economic topics at the top of your voice, whilst occasionally being terrified for your life. Afterwards, you'll invade a cafe. Pubs aren't open yet, remember, unless you can find an early opener. And this might help explain where a bit of the anger comes from. Almost every other hobby, well, the good ones anyway, ends at the pub. Food for thought. There are other options, of course. Using a bike path, training at a velodrome, riding on your own. Ride your bike to work. No one gives a fuck. You can even sit on a bike at the gym. Sure, that comes with its own set of problems, but you'll save 10 grand and you won't be laughed at. And there's always one final alternative. You could always use your midlife crisis as an opportunity to grow up. Cycling, your hobby is shit. Thank you for listening. I'll be back each and every week with harsh but fair critiques of shit hobbies. You can find the podcast wherever you listen to them. Chances are you already have. Be an upstanding citizen, do the right thing, and share the podcast with your friends, even if you don't like it. You can even give us a review if you want. You can find your hobby is shit on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Your feedback is welcomed. Send your suggestions for shit hobbies in and I'll get to them in due course. For those of you with a penchant for complaining and whinging, you know who you are. Please do so in audio format so the rest of us can have a laugh at your expense in future episodes. Just use the Voice Memos app on your iPhone or whatever it is you weirdos with other phones use. Thanks again, listeners. You're a credit to your families. My name's Sean Woodland, and your hobby is shit. Nothing more impressive than 